This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 8778 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 114. Today is Thursday, August 24th. We got a great show ahead as we are personally in our own head-to-head playoffs, Steve and I. So we will be talking about players who can win your head-to-head playoffs. Going to be a great show, very relevant this time of year. Guys that are, you know, mid-roster rate and definitely lightly rostered. Of course, we'll look at schedules as well, as that's always key this time of year when it's it's not much farther beyond what can you do for me in the next week. So uh, very excited to have you guys with us, especially this late in the season. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by Steve Giswelli. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, talk to me, man. How's the home league going? Uh, the grind of the regular season for us is over, and now we're in playoff mode, man. Love to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, it's it's a stressful, exciting time of year. Um, we've had some drama in my home league, in my one head-to-head league that I'm in. Oh. Um, first of all, we, we normally uh, have two-week playoff matchups for the semifinals and finals. It was accidentally set to two-week matchups for this first round, too. So essentially <laughs> the, the, the quarterfinals. Wild. Yeah. So we had an email fan tracks. They changed it to one week, and now we're just ending a week er- late earlier, like ending on the twenty fourth of September, which is fine. Like you're, you're, that last week is usually a debacle anyway with with players sitting. Maybe not as much in the last few years since rosters don't expand to um, like whatever, like the unlimited amount of rosters that you had. Now it's just one or two mm-hmm. more roster spots. So it's been a little better, but we are able to avoid that there. Then we also had a rule that we voted on in March that passed where the seventh place team, which is the last playoff spot, went to the team with the highest Roto points, not the actual seventh standing. Ah. And it passed. We just never formally implemented discussed that. it and announced it and, you know, didn't remind everyone until like the last week and, you know, it caused some drama, but the rule passed and, and we passed it. And no, I don't, are you, I don't know if not, I, I don't know if I, you, no, you're not I a commissioner. Uh, I, 
I'm like deputy commissioner, essentially. Okay. Um, I've taken over a lot of duties that I just did on my own anyway. Um, but, you know, um, in practice, I don't know if I would like that rule. I think in head, you, know, you need to separate church and state and head-to-head in Roto. Like, you know, it, I get why people do it in fantasy football, um, like the total points and everything like that. But uh-huh. it, it's kind of an indirect way. I, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to reward the most unlucky team, right? Yep. Um, and a team that got in was a good team that was like fifth or sixth in, in Roto standings, maybe even higher, maybe fourth. So they were deserving, just a bit unlucky. But also in head-to-head, like it's a weak matchup. It's not like football where it's just one day. Like you manage certain categories to win your yeah, categories, categories, not for exactly. road points. Yeah, exactly. So, so we, yeah, we we do the same thing. My my uncle Ed, shout out to uh, Easy Hitters. He's the IT guy in our league. It's what he does for a living, and he crunches like a spreadsheet every week from Yahoo of who what your record would have been against yep. other managers, all that mm-hmm. stuff like that, and. We always say the same thing where we're like, go play in a roto league, guys. If you're looking into that, because I'm benching pitchers on Sunday if I got exactly, categories locked, exactly. so it's not apples to apples. But yeah, I've got the bye week for the first time in in 22 years of our home league history. I have never gotten the bye with a one or two regular season finish. Uh, I have made the playoffs, I think, five of the last six years. So it's good to be back in the playoffs, but it is extra nice to have this week off to just kind of rest up. That said, uh, it's it's kind of a nightmare. I added, well, I had Musgrove. I had I traded for Carlos Rodon. He was injured. Musgrove was injured. Had Joe Ryan injured. So I've had the bug. And then I added Nick Lodolo thinking I was sly. And that was looking real good until he he had the setback and he's pretty much done for the year. So... Yeah, it's just good, Steve, to hear that uh, we're in the hunt, and I don't think we need to yeah. spend much time on it beyond that. But we'll we'll recap in the off season because for those of you who have not heard Steve and I drone on about our home leagues, it's why we got into this in the first place. We got fantastic leagues, and honestly, I wouldn't trade a TGFBI or a Raz Slam for getting the title and the one that counts most for me. But. Yeah, yeah, my turf team has started to fall out, but I'll, I'll make that trade any day for my home league team, which has been yeah. hot the last few weeks. But uh-huh. I'm 14th and, in the overall for Raz Slam, which sounds great. But as you know, Steve, yeah. I was right yeah. up there at like number yeah. one, number two for a minute. So I was hoping I could make the cut, uh, which is top. I'm 10. sure you'll. I'm <laughs> sure you'll make that trade off though, too, right? Oh uh, yeah, for your home oh, league. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'll be great. Um, for those who remotely, I, I'd care, rather have the. We'll, I'd rather we'll have the clout posted. with my buddies than uh, than on Twitter. The industry, the, uh, yeah, exactly. So, Steve, we're looking at players who will win your head-to-head playoffs. Obviously, this is something near and dear to us right now. We all know what it's like to scratch and claw. we got a lot of guys to talk through, but give me a short synopsis of kind of process, what you're looking for when you do go out to the wire this time of year. What's what's the mentality? What are some tactics? Yeah, we kind of danced around this last week, right, with our, you know, predict the, the hot two months or, you know, month and a half, uh, players, uh, bold predictions for the last six weeks. Um, and that kind of spawned off this idea that, that you were throwing out. Um, and you know, in head to head, especially non keeper, like these guys are the end all be all. Like you need to do everything that you can to roster the guys that have been super hot, the guys that are starting to show that they're going to be super hot. Um, because that's it. Like in, in head to head too, like anyone 
from this point on, even if you're not in the playoffs yet, like if you're trying to fight to get into the playoffs, like anything is okay as far as moves, especially in non-keeper head-to-head where you just need to survive each week. Um, and there's a list of guys, um, some guys that are more are, are not widely available, but hey, in a keeper league, these are guys that you should target because they might not have the long-term value, but they're just guys that are winning your leagues right now yeah. currently. Great point. Or they might still be out there in, in 10 or 12 team le- leagues. Um, so we also have some deeper names too, which which I'm definitely excited about, which you should be able to go add um, in most leagues. But like, you know, if you want to trade, you know, uh, uh, I'm not saying trade, you know, uh, Jackson Churio or um, Jackson Holiday for a guy who is 35 but tearing the cover off the ball, but a mid-round pick, a, a top 20, anything beyond like a top 20 prospect, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like those become coin, like prospects become coin flips very, very quickly, like outside the top five to 10 names. So there, there should be a good list to target if you're still able to trade. I know a lot of trade trade deadlines are like September 1 in a lot of leagues uh, or like exactly when the playoffs start for head-to-head. So there's still some actual names, even if the roster percentage are a bit high. And then we'll also get into some names that you should be able to go out and just add for maybe some more established names too that you're, you should, you're, you're fine to drop uh, as we record this on August 23rd. Absolutely. I think zooming into kind of player strategy for me, I think there's also a balance of being realistic with what your team needs. Like you you should have a good gut instinct on if you feel like you've got a title contending team. And if you do not, I think then you have freedom to go for guys who are a little bit more boom bust and, and really try to ride the hot hand and don't be so scared of kind of volatility in the profile on the flip side, if you feel like you have a contending team and you're strong in a lot of categories, you might just need somebody who's not going to screw things up. So we'll talk about some guys in here that are a little vanilla, but ones that can be glue pieces, you know, when you're battling for average on a weekend and you see them go one for three, two for four, and you're just like, okay, that'll do. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about a variety of guys here, but um, generally looking, obviously, at the, the typical stuff we look at. Does it look good under the hood? Does some of the pitcher list sliders look good or, or savant? Uh, also, obviously, looking at their, their recency, you know, are they starting on a hot streak? Has the plate discipline looked better? And then what's their what do their matchups look like in the next week? So we'll keep an eye on all that stuff. But without further ado, because we got a lot of names to get through, we're going to start with guys who are rostered a little bit more. So these guys uh, might not be available, but they probably should be rostered in almost every league. I think the first one, Steve, Marcelo Zuna, who is 71% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I mean, this guy's been a top 10 player for the past month. Uh, nine home runs, 20 RBIs, a 343 average, and an 1121 OPS for Ozuna. I know he had a dreadful first month of the year, but it seems like since then he has been insane. And at this point, he's batting fifth in the best lineup in baseball. He's coming off three multi-hit games in a row. Um, yeah, what can be said about Ozuna? He's did he have the was it a grand slam or did he just no? He just went nuts with with two homers. Um, yeah, so he homered again today as we record this on Wednesday. Just talk to me about Ozuna, Steve. Um, 
this seems like must roster in any format, right? Uh, yeah, we usually record late on on Wednesday nights, so our stats are usually pretty up to date. Um, but this is not for Rosina because he homered again, so it's ten homers over his last thirty games. Um, just absolutely insane. And a great tweet from Kevin McAlpin on Twitter. That's his name spelt out on Twitter. Uh, or X, if you want to call it that. I'm still refusing to. Just like, you know, I'm not going to sure. call it uh, Amp, I tried Amp it. Field or whatever it is. Yeah, moving on. Um, Miller Park and Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but Ozuna in March slash April. And this is from Kevin on Twitter. Um, in 18 games, he had an 085 average, one double, two homers, and a 397 OPS. Um, since May 2nd, um, 92 games. He's hitting 291 with 17 doubles, 25 homers, now 26, um, 65 RBIs now, and uh, it was a 921 OPS before he homered today. So, yeah, Ozuna's been absolutely insane for a while now, and the fact that he is available in 30% of Yahoo leagues is crazy. He needs to be 100% everywhere, and this is exactly the type of guy that if you still are able to trade in like a keeper league um, to go out and give a somewhat decent future asset for a guy who has just been one of the best outfielders in baseball, one of the best hitters in baseball uh, over the last 30 days. Yeah, his his barrel rates, his max EV looks as high as it's been in three or four years. Uh, the strikeout rate is palatable at 23.5%. It just makes you wonder for a guy like Ozuna with the rate that he's on. Like, I know it's not this show, but we'll be talking in the offseason. He's going to be a tricky one to, to nail down. Like, how, how high do we go? Because it seems like we've, you know, seen the name for forever since, you know, even the Marlins way back when. Just 32 years old. So, uh, yeah, very... Very interesting with Ozuna, and yeah, just not much to be said other than add him if he's available. Another guy that I think would fit into that category, and it's kind of on the the value all-stars in a way, because we've been talking about him all year, Steve, and it's just gotten more and more legit, uh, and that is Kerry Carpenter, who continues to stay hot. In the past week, he has four homers, nine RBIs, a 1279 OPS, and he has eight homers in the past month, so... He's just a shining example of when this, you know, the the underlying metrics get it right. Because in the first month or two months, you and I were kind of double taking at some of his underlying stats and saying, "Man, like his stat cast data is off the charts. Is this guy going to be a legit p- power hitter?" And now here he is, uh, you know, pretty much turning into a little bit of a league winner, batting cleanup. Uh, he's got a homer in four of his last five games, which is just nuts for Kerry Carpenter. So uh, we'll talk about the Tigers a little bit later. They got a light schedule down the stretch. And Kerry Carpenter is just 67% rostered. So more available than Ozuna. Similarly on fire, I think it's a rush to add, right? Absolutely. And shout out to friend of the pod, guest of the pod, Alex Chamberlain, who had Kerry Carpenter in his bold prediction piece that he would finish as a top 30 outfielder. Um, That might not be the case because he missed so much time with the injury, but on a per game basis, um, like a dollar per game on the Rasball player radar, he is outfielder number 23. So right up there. And honestly, if he has another um, insane month, like he has in August, 
in September. Like he's going to come close to that. Like he's got 20 homers already. Um, it's just insane what he's doing in such a limited amount of time. And again, I'm probably more interested than him and, and Ozuna just because of like the age and mm-hmm. um, the underlying statistics that kind of show that you know Carpenter could be a good sleeper this year, like Alex correctly pointed out. Um, so next year I'll, I'll, I'll be in too. But I mean, you know, 20 homers in uh, basically 310 plate appearances. That's uh, are a really good pace. I know it's not the smartest to do the proration game, but that's a 40 homer pace if he's playing a full year. So, um, I, yeah, it's I like hard, it's hard not to. a lot. Yeah. And yeah. E- even, yeah. even last year, 31 games, he had six homers. So, you know, he's he, been doing it, this for a while. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So now like just career wise, one fifteen games, 26 homers, like this is 30 homer pop for sure. And yeah, like the expected batting averages in the, the 270s his actual clip is 288 on the season with an 899 ops so that's Kerry carpenter and great matchups ahead uh jumping over to his teammate we've been talking about both of them kind of hand in hand and torkelson for the tigers has also been on a tear uh eight home runs in his past in the past two weeks a 370 average and a 1460 ops uh, he has gone a little cold the last couple games, 0 for 7. But, yeah, before that, uh, you know, a binge of, what, five, six home runs in a, a span of five games. So both of these guys hitting the cover off the ball. Um, thoughts on Torkelson, who himself has rostered 65%, about the same as Kerry Carpenter. I feel like there's been a lot of people, and you and me especially, have been just waiting for Torkelson breakout to just happen, and it's started to look like it never would but you know he is a great Humphst stat cast uh page player uh game like for trivia um everything is bright red and it's just gotten better and better over time like all of the rolling charts are just a straight mountain up um scott chu uh of, of hitter list and hacks and jacks was basically just calling for torkelson breakout and correctly has been calling it for since spring training when his He's, his, he got some decision values and saw that he started to swing at the right pitches and his power started to translate. And it took it took some time. I mean, it's a tough ballpark to hit in, especially in Detroit in April and May when it's not the warmest, right? Um, but those who practice patience with him are, are reaping the results. So um, this is another guy that I think is just like a, like a star hitter waiting to happen. He has a 950 OPS over his last 30. Um I think, like, in his peak seasons, like, he can carry that over, over a full year. And as we get into his age 24, 25, 26 seasons, like, that's when this is going to happen. So I like Torkelson a lot for the rest of this season, especially with Carpenter, because we talked about, and we'll talk about in a little bit, how easy this Tiger schedule are, is down the stretch. Um, so these are great targets uh, for now and for later. Torkelson, like... You know the the buy window in in dynasty is probably slammed shut with how good he's been over the last basically since the All Star break, for sure. But still still a good target for next year because the average is still looking lower than it should on mm-hmm. the season line for Torkelson. He's in the two thirties, but yeah, I think he's he's definitely a two fifty plus type of hitter. Two sixty three um, xba, and he doesn't strike go. out that much. It's twenty four percent over the last two years. 
No, it's not bad. And, and uh, like just looking deeper compared to last year, like what's changed. So he's hitting uh, crushing breaking balls and, and off-speed pitches compared to what he did last year. And, and that's encouraging to just see him developing as a hitter. So love Torkelson. Uh, I think both of those, yeah, Torks traded out all the 10% ground balls this year. He's traded out directly to, to fly balls and a little bit to line drive. So yeah, love everything that's going on with Torkelson. Both of those guys, uh, uh, Torkelson 23, Carpenter 25, They've the arrow is pointing up for sure on their stock. So good ones there. Uh, not quite the the youngster. Uh, Wilmer Flores is a little bit on the other side of this where we feel like we know who he is, uh, kind of the, the super utility type that can help your team. Uh, but Flores has, has also been terrific. Uh, for the Giants, obviously you can plug him in at a variety of positions, but uh, he's he's running hot in the past month, a, a 926 OPS, 314 average, and five homers. On the season, it's just been really solid with a 301 batting average and a 900 OPS for Flores. So batting third every day for the for the Giants, Steve, I know it's not a name that, that gets you as excited as some of the other ones. It seems like the upside is kind of capped, but what do you think about uh, Wilmer Flores as, you know, a, a guy who in a different way could, could help you win your league. Uh, another shout out. Um, this is the show of shout outs, I guess. Uh, Dave Sherman in the pitcherless discord throughout in, in trivia that this player batted 353, 420, 624 over 193 plate appearances since June one. Um, and has 12 homers in that time, and it was Wilmer Flores, much to the shock of everyone trying to guess all of these hitters who have been super hot um, since June. And the one thing, yeah, the, the 193 plate appearances over that time is a little light. Um, the Giants do a lot of mixing and Tinkering. matching. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like he only has 95 games played out of what? Like probably close to the 120. Um, mm-hmm. 115 that they've they've played total. So he does sit from time to time, but I mean, you'll take that when you know since June one you have an OPS over uh, like 1040. You know, um, so Wilmer Flores, it just absolutely crazy uh, how good he's been, and he's still only 78 percent rostered in Vantrax, so that's probably even a bit lower in in Yahoo. Um, should have some good position eligibility, um, first. Uh, third and, and second depending on you know your league settings and in, in, in five start or five appearance leagues he's going to have first second and third um which is really nice um not that you need another reason to roster or ride out the the one of the hottest hitters in baseball since june 1st so um some some young names there specifically torkelson and carpenter and then some older names that you know are really good targets and maybe out there in like your 10 or 12 team leagues, they should definitely be there and could definitely help you win your head to head playoff matchups. Yeah. He'll, he'll be, he'll be another fun one. It seems like he'll be in kind of the, the grab bag just because of the fact that he's been kind of mundane for so long, but like the launch angles is way up and I know he has pop-ups that are probably like skewing that, but yeah, overall, like there's there's some interesting stuff. I I certainly love that he just strikes out 14 percent of the time. So I think kind of what we were talking about at the top of the show, looking for glue guys. I think more often than not, you'll be happy that Flores is just kind of filling that utility slot for you if he's if he's out there in like a shallower league. But 
Uh, we'll, we'll round out with one last name and the first pitcher of the bunch of in this group of probably owned but also on fire. And it's Cole Reagan, Steve, who, wow, the uh, the Royals have finally found one here and not screwed it up, knock on wood. Uh, today, uh, on Wednesday again, as we record this, six innings, 11 strikeouts in the win, granted at Oakland. Uh, but yeah, this was easily the best performance of the season for him. And now we're starting to look, I mean, we were talking with Schwebzy about who's the pitcher that's going to be the wide awake sleeper next year. We were throwing out, you know, Silseth, different names like this, that. But this was the Cole answer. Reagans? This is was the Cole answer. Reagans? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was the answer. Uh, in his five starts since coming over and, and debuting with the, with the Royals, he has 29.2 inch pitch, 44 strikeouts in the 223 area. Like, yeah, this is the answer. Like he is going, if, if he just, does okay the rest of the season. Like he is going to be the guy that shoots up. Uh, you know, he'll start in drafts in October and November, you know, back end of the the last few rounds for 12 teamers. And then like all of a sudden, like he's like round 10 uh, by the time we're drafting in March. Um, but going forward, if he is available, he shouldn't be. Um, his next two starts are at home, which is great for Kansas city. Um, and they roast Pittsburgh and the white Sox. So, um, you know, if, if you have Cole Riggins, he's been helping you, <laughs> leading you to the head dead playoffs, and he will continue to help you at least with those next two starts. So, um, very excited to see what, what he's going to finish with. I guess we also have to consider the fact that, you know, there has been some lighter opponents. I think the Mets, he had 11 strikeouts first, um, although they've been a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, that was Boston that he had 11 Ks first, uh, the last time out. Or, or a few starts ago, uh, struck out eight versus the Mets, and then nine Ks at the Cubs zone. Yeah, been better. yeah, yeah. So yeah, not nothing. Um, and like Oakland has some guys. I know they're Oakland, but um, you know they have some some guys that that could hit a, a little bit, at least slightly better than earlier in the season. But I, I can't really sugarcoat Oakland. It's like the easiest matchup in the league. So um, excited about Reagan's. Um, Really am, and and think it's going to be a special uh, September for him. Yeah, just thirty five percent rostered. I know some of those are crazy leagues, but crazy. yeah, sprint out. This one is probably of all the names we've you have the a most there, there's like an ace. Yeah, there's like an ace sitting on on the wire. At least he's been pitching like once since he's been in Kansas City. Yeah, and a good, a pretty good depth of the pitch mix. It's not like he's just like a, a two pitch guy. He he leans on the fastball a lot, but it. It sits at 96.2 miles per hour. Um, yeah, he gets good whiffs with it and then change curve cutter. Like he, he works in a lot of other pitches. Always, always good when you see a Shane McClanahan similar pitcher yeah. comp, uh, no matter, no matter who you are. So that's, that's Cole Reagan's. And I think he hit 101 today with his fastball. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Six he did. foot four, he did. 25 years old. Like we're just seeing the, we're seeing the ascent. So uh, good for the Royals, good for managers that have them. And if he's out there, change that ASAP. So uh, we are going to get to another pitcher as we look at guys rostered uh, quite a bit less. But we're going to take our first ad break. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. 
Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. All right, so Steve, uh, this one is uh, is a personal interest of mine because I pulled the trigger in the home league and uh, went ahead and grabbed Ryan Pepio, who had a spot start, looked pretty good for the Dodgers. I know it's a name we've been talking about. Gosh, I'm trying to think of... Uh, we talked about him as... What, on a prospect show with somebody mm-hmm. from from Pitchless. It's, it's escaping me now, but uh, he he had the spot start and had five innings, five strikeouts, just one walk, three hits, and then it was unsure when we'd see him next, uh, but it looked pretty good with uh, 13 whiffs and 75 pitches, so very good swinging strike rate there for Pepio. And in the minors uh, before that had 11 strikeouts, and uh, only one hit allowed. So he's been looking really good. He's a guy that the control has always been a little wobbly, but that's looked a lot better lately. And he's set to start Thursday or today, as you guys are listening to this, in Cleveland. So if it goes well, I think the Dodgers could use the kind of every man in the rotation with Tony Gonsolin likely done for the year. Um, and yeah, I like a lot about Pepio. Steve, but especially the the fastball with the extension he gets is even more than than Cole Reagan. So 90th percentile ex- extension still throws at 94 miles per hour. So this is kind of that Logan Gilbert or, uh, you know, whoever in, in terms of the fastball playing up with the extension, Freddie Peralta, another one. Joe um, Ryan. So, yeah. yeah, Joe Ryan. So I'm... Uh, I'm very interested here. Definitely behind a, a Cole Reagans, but one that I, I could see helping with a lot if, if the Dodgers give him a full run here. Yeah, I'm really interested too. I, I was interested in him last year. I think maybe we talked with, with Shelly uh, um, about him uh, in a prospect show. Um, not not too sure. First, who was the first prospect guy we had on? And he, It's killing me, but he was with Pitcherless, but then he left – Pitcherless uh, shortly after. It's uh, it was um, God, that's gonna kill <laughs> Trevor Huth. Huth. Trevor Huth. Sorry, Trevor. Yeah, it was Trevor that was all about Pepio at the time. So that that might have been two seasons ago. Regardless, uh, a yeah. great changeup. Interested in him last year. He just walked the world. Um, and I think they were giving Pepio to look uh, in spring, and then he got hurt and didn't have that great an outing and. It's been a small sample, but he's really fixed the walks um, in his 22 innings in the minors this year. Just a 5.4% walk rate. Um, whereas last year um, in the majors, it was 16.9%. And then 
a concerning 9.8% um, in, in 91 innings in AAA in 2022. Um, we were interested because he had a 31% walk rate, but a uh, strikeout rate, but that walk rate really held him down. Um, and this year it's still a good strikeout rate in the minors, 28%, and then just a you know 5.4 walk rate, percent walk rate, a 1.99 walk per nine with that kind of stuff, that kind of uh, um, deceptive fastball, a really good changeup. Like there, there is, uh, there, there should be interest here, and, and it looks like there could be a run. I am wait. I, I was going to have you say, you know, I was going to say, talk me into adding him. Uh, for a spot start uh, in my playoff matchup. I think I'm going to do that. The only concern is um, the Dodgers game, as we record this, got suspended and is continuing um, tomorrow. So I want to see what the Dodgers do. Like sometimes, you know, teams mess around with their probable starters, especially a guy in a spot start like Pepeo, who was just called up from the from the minors uh, for this start tomorrow. So... Um, but well, if you I'm need, really, if you inter- need I'm really further interested. convincing, yeah. Steve, yeah. Here, yeah. here's here's my final sell. We get next week will be the the semifinals in your league. Is that right? That is right. So Two weeks. Next week but yes. you got to get through. Okay, so next week you got D backs, but the following week he's got the Marlins. At least that's who he would line up for. Mm-hmm. So I like the tasty matchup there. But yeah, take it take it with a grain of salt. I'm rolling the dice and seeing what happens. Uh, we'll keep rolling here and and going from the young to the old, jumping over to Jose Quintana. And Quintana, since being activated, has looked really good. The strikeouts, per usual, are a little lackluster, but he's more of a ratio stabilizer. And up until today, where he got roughed up by the Braves on the road, but who doesn't? Um, he's looked terrific. So if you can kind of a, give him a free pass on this one, and it starts before that, uh, 41 innings pitched, just 30 strikeouts, like we said, but a 2.85 ERA. So, uh, Jose Quintana, Steve, anything here? Very available, just 23% rostered. Do you trust it? So, a quick note, um, some live information here on Pepeot. Um, the Dodgers will use the resumed game as a bullpen game. Then they'll get a 27th man added for the second game, and it'll be Ryan Pepeot, possibly with an opener. So, he still should be the bulk guy. Um, that last start was with an opener where he went five innings pitch, five Ks. And I think he got the win, um, in, in, in that game. So it still should be a useful start for, even it might not be a traditional start for Pepeo tomorrow, uh, or Thursday as you listen to this today, um, for Pepeo. Um, good note, good note. Transitioning to Quintana. Yeah, I think there's. There's a bit of a useful pitcher here. I know he was doing all right versus the Braves and then kind of fell apart in like the fifth or sixth inning tonight. Um, so those numbers aren't great. But, I mean, he still had, you know, it was just five earned runs and five innings uh, with five Ks. So um, not like the worst blow-up start. And you probably weren't starting him versus the Braves anyway. Um, if you do, uh, you know, Good on you for for having those kind of uh, guts, but um, it's been a useful start. There's been a good uh, a, he's been a useful starter, like a, a 2.85 ERA and 41 innings pitched uh, since coming back uh, from the IL. Like you know that that that's going to do more harm uh, good than harm. Um, it was just one homer allowed heading into tonight, um, and then going forward, it's probably the Rangers next for him. 
but then it's um, either the Nationals or Twins, and the Twins strike out the most in the league, so that could be a, a good start for him. Um, and then he should get the Marlins uh, down the stretch as well as the Phillies, which isn't horrible. Um, but if a few of those are, are, you know, more of those are versus the Marlins rather than the Phillies, like you'll take that. Um, and I think it could be at worst, a, a, a good streamer, um, that people might've forgot about because he was pretty good last year. Uh, he was on the pirates and then traded to, he was, it was the Cardinals where he had a nice run, right? Uh, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong there, but he's yeah. quietly been a useful, old, boring streamer for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Less old and way less boring. Graham Ashcraft has been on a roller coaster all year. We were in love coming out of spring. We were confused at the start of spring and when the when the actual games that mattered started. And then he was really bad for a while, and it seemed like that's what we expected to happen. It's looked a lot better lately. The last 40 innings, a 268 ERA, a 102 whip, and most importantly on Tuesday, 10 strikeouts and in seven innings at the Angels. Ashcraft obviously has some stuff. I know he's popped up on Eno's uh, Stuff Plus model often. Um, he throws really hard, and it's just never translated to strikeouts. But here we see a glimpse of that very high ceiling when it all works out. Do we think that uh, Ashcraft is uh, finally kind of evolving into a bona fide stud here? I think he might be tapping in to what the stuff should, what the stuff has been saying the strikeouts should be. Um, Pop on Eno's model. He is the number one pitcher um, for Stuff Plus on Eno's model. On Eno's model, it's him, and then Spencer Strider, and then. Kyle Bradish, which is actually an interesting name. Um, so yeah, the raw stuff is really good. It's been a crazy up and down season for him because like when he was good in April and start of May, there wasn't really many strikeouts and like the FIP and XFIP and all the indicators rightly predicted that the ERA would, you know, have some regression and it regressed and then some, right? He was unusable. Uh, I think he was hurt or sent to the minors for a good portion of the season. And he's been like pretty good since he's come back um, into rotation. And what's, what's encouraging is that, you know, you see some starts with seven K's, eight K's, seven K's, 10 K's. <sighs> like it, it, it might finally be starting to happen. Like this is the kind of guy that you, you bet on when they have all the stuff that just, you know, sometimes guys need to learn how to sequence or, you know, uh, how to get back into counts to, to be able to strike guys out. Like Ashcraft has that total package because he also gets a ton of ground balls. Like if he's able to just carry over, you know, even like a nine strikeout per nine or like a 25% strikeout rate, which doesn't pop or isn't like the, the thirty percent that we like to see with number one fantasy starters, like it could be a you know Framber Valdez type of profile that you know Valdez for the most part is an SP one because he gets so many ground balls and you know does okay with strikeouts. Like Ashcraft has the stuff; he's able to get so many ground balls. Like uh, I was in on Ashcraft before, so it's not hard to convince me to to do it again, right? Um, so. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it's down a little. It's still 49%. It's not like what we saw in the minors or the 55% we saw last year. But, hey, that's still pretty good. Um, and who knows? Maybe the, there's some room for improvement in the strikeout rate and the ground ball rate, which, you know, that's that's what you dream on. And you think you could have a, a really good pitcher in there somewhere. The stuff believes it, so I do too. Yeah, like – just look at it's it's kind of tough to nail down exactly what's what's going on month over month like yeah he's he's throwing the cutter more the swing and misses have, have gone up a little bit uh but yeah it must be like location based or, or or maybe sequencing it's definitely a going deep article uh waiting to be written because it, it's tough to pin down like it's not like the walks have completely uh turned around and in, in the three months that he's kind of broken out here and the walk rate hasn't been awful in general like you'd like to see it a little bit lower than 8.7 percent but yeah it's, it's just tough to say like what exactly has led to this so um yeah there isn't like a crazy like oh that's what happened with the pitch mix sort of sort of thing like yeah i guess the, the cutter usage has gone up and, and that's become the primary or that's always been the, the the primary fastball, but he's thrown it more than 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 he has in the past. Like he's up to fifty five percent or fifty four percent over the last two months with the with the cutter. So there's a bit of a change there, but I mean that's what he was in April and May, and he wasn't getting the strikeout. So it's hard to to see what it is there. But I, yeah, I'm a buyer yeah. of of Ashcraft short term and long term, like. I wouldn't. So I would here's a tweet. Yeah. Here's a tweet, Steve Corbin Young at Corbin underscore Young twenty one with base, Baseball HQ uh, about a week and a half ago. Can't quite figure out Graham Ashcraft <laughs> outside of some luck factors, but he did at the end of this note that the the slider velocity averaged a career best in his Tuesday start, three miles per hour up. So maybe that slider velo is something to to keep an eye on. That obviously can unlock a lot of strikeouts. So the the velo on all of his pitches have have, have ticked up and the slider especially. Um in Ju- in in July it was at eighty seven eight. In June it's eighty nine four. So a tick of velocity on a slider. And Eno Saris uh, of the Athletic just mentioned on um a race and barrel episode that, you know, uh, we overlook secondary velocity it is just as important as fastball velocity um so uh, an uptick on on a slider could be the key um and it's already uh, a a hard slider right like i think there was also a quote from Eno. i forget who uh it attributed to but that's who i heard it from but like basically if you have a slider like over 85 miles an hour like it's a good pitch um mm-hmm. so I mean, he's throwing it close to 90 miles an hour. That's like getting into, you know, the best of the best slider velocity. So, um, yeah, that, we'll that, could that. Be, that could be it. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, all that said, we'll watch what happens the rest of the way because the, the whiff rate on the slider, even when it's been up at 89 miles per hour, is just 28.8% on, like, the, the whiff percentage, and that's not elite for a slider. So, more to come, but a very, very fascinating one. A uh, little bit less exciting just to keep us moving here, Steve, but Javier Assad for the Cubs. A uh, lot of local sports talk on Assad. Everyone's excited <laughs> about him. Not sure I'm buying it. Uh, bulk relief turn starter. 
I think uh, you've trained me to be a stuffist and seeing that he's just got 10 strikeouts over his 18 and the third innings since he's been starting uh, with Stroman out and everything. The ratios have looked great, a 245 ERA and a .98 whip during that time. But again, just not sure I'm, I'm chasing this one. Uh, do you feel differently about Javier Assad? Um, I feel like he could be a useful innings ratio play. Um, okay. Is the ground I, ball rate high, or like what are we liking? Like why is why is this happening to him? Yeah, that's a good question, um, and I probably should be more prepared to to answer that. Other than <laughs> I didn't mean to throw you on the spot. I'm just that, like, you know, part of this yeah. is me, you know, always being a hater on the Cubs. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the ground ball rate's okay, forty five, forty six percent. But I, I just think it's a solid innings sort of JP France light um, play for Javier Assad. I think there's some good matchups coming up. He has, um, I will tell you as I pull it up right now, um, he is at Pittsburgh, um, which you probably do want to stream uh, this yeah. weekend, and then at Cincinnati, which you, know, you, you, you can skip. But Assad's the kind of guy that should be available in basically all leagues and the results have been good. He throws decently hard. I mean, he struck out, um, you know, four guys in each of his last few starts, um, has Pretty two deep, quality deep starts arsenal. in the last three deep arsenal. Yeah. Like, you, you know, sometimes like, you know, you could, and that's this part of the year. Like, I don't really care that Javier Assad doesn't have the strikeout stuff or an amazing ground ball rate or, is a guy that I'm eyeing for for next year, but what I do care about is that he's been solid and could be a good ratio play over the next few weeks, um, mm-hmm. and and has been. So, um, yeah, it's not like the most convincing argument, other than the fact that I think uh, there there could be some some solid innings there. Um, well, yeah, yeah really, I mean, the results, really deep arsenals. Yeah, the results, the it, results. It's That's very, why. It's yeah. very Cubs-like of him, right? Like the the Kyle Hendricks of just like head-scratching good results. And I will say that the strikeouts have started to actually move in the right direction. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty young pitcher and transitioning from elite relief to a starter. Um, but the walk rate's still a little high. So, yeah, just I, de- I definitely think that stream against the Pirates, uh, see what happens and maybe hold on. From there, if it, if it starts looking better and better. Uh, but moving to a guy who has unquestionable stuff, Matt Brash. Uh, yeah, kind of a Torkelson trajectory on the pitching side, Steve, where we were in love with Brash. And then uh, just very strangely, the wheels came off last year. And now in the, the relief role, he's looked like a really reliable like setup guy. And now he starts vulturing some saves with Munoz kind of struggling. He's got two saves in the past week. And Brash, like we said, in terms of the stuff, it it is insane. A 37% K rate. Uh, The whiff rates are off the charts for the slider. Um, So do we think this is the Mariners' closer? And is this like must roster at this point? I I don't know if he's the uh, the Mariners' closer, although Munoz, I believe... Did blow another save today. He gave up a run at least in two hits. Um, but I think he's a must roster. Um, in the last 30 days, he has 14 innings pitch, 
18 Ks, three saves, you know, two of those in the last week, like you said. But he also has five wins. Like, he is coming in at the time where the Mariners, like, take the lead or in a tie game. Like, he is the high leverage guy, and that's leading to a lot of wins. And, like, even if he doesn't get saves, which he still definitely will because Munoz is coming back from an injury, hasn't been the absolute elite uh, Munoz that we've knew, known in the past or seen in years past. So there is definitely some opportunity for Barash to be either the full-time closer or at least vulture more wins and at the very least get you solid ratios and a bunch of Ks from an RP slot. So I think Barash is a must-roster in basically all formats. Yeah, hard to argue. Um, and the Mariners... You can you can count on them to kind of mix it up as well, like maybe Definitely. just because they always yeah. win close games. But they they seem like they're one of the teams that won't won't have a, a zero as their second closer. In they're not afraid like, to bring it. If Munoz was the full time closer, uh, and you know he he basically is the closer one, but they wouldn't be afraid yeah. to bring him in what they deemed the highest leverage or you know a non safe situation. Like they're a team that's always done that. So. That could lead to opportunities for Brash too, even if Munoz does turn it around. All right, moving back to a hitter, Jake Berger, who we've highlighted, Steve, as, as one throughout the season, along with the rest of the industry. It's been a breakout, but he is on a heater now with the Marlins, a 13-game hitting streak. As long as he kept that going tonight, uh, 0 for 4, so he busted Ooh, the 13-game yeah. hitting streak. Jinx. So... <laughs> Burger, like all of a sudden we look, he's got 27 home runs, but really it's all about the hot hand lately. Uh, the past month, six home runs, a 1029 OPS. And this is really interesting for Burger. Like it, it's a guy who obviously offers pop, still just 47% rostered despite being kind of this, you know, super slugger uh, throughout the season, just to kind of, he, he almost won out compared to uh, Jack Sawinski on like, who the surprise pop story of the year is. Um, but Berger, what what I've been interested in is it looks like the strikeout rate is getting better and better, uh, which gives me some long-term like future hope. But uh, talk to me about Berger. It seems like a, a really good one to kind of bolster power going into head-to-head playoffs. Berger is like Max Muncy or Kyle Schwarber with 40 more points of average this year. Like, yeah. You know, I wasn't surprised by the fact that he has 27 homers. Like, I know the power is there, and he went on a, you know several power binges uh, this year. But what did surprise me is the fact that he's hitting 241. Like, how is he rostered in just 69% of fan tracks leagues? Like, Max Muncy's like close to 100%, right? Uh, nothing against Max Muncy. Like, you know, we, we talked about him relatively recently that we like him um, mm-hmm. more than. Uh, what his stat line for this year indicates, but like he has the Babbitt on the side, he's improving the K rate, like he crushes the ball. Um, he is on the top of like every barrel list. So, um, yeah, Berger should absolutely be rostered in a lot more places than he is. Um, and so playing isn't going to kill you in average. In average, no, yeah, Sorry. yeah, you're right. Um, no, jump, jumping in if you don't mind, because yeah, you're right. That, I mean, the average in August, he's hitting 347. 
uh, July it looked worse, but the, his worst month by far was June with a 146 average. Mm-hmm. He hit close to 300 in May. So he's had months where he looks like really like a, a fantasy stud. Strikeout rate in June, that worst month, 40% strikeout rate. In July, 26.4. In August, 19%. Yeah. So like that is exactly what I'm hoping to see in terms of like just overall player development to where now we're talking about a guy that could really turn a corner in terms of power and plate discipline. And he's just 27 years old. Uh, yeah. With the Marlins, like he's been hitting uh, fourth or fifth in the order all the time. So like this could be a really sneaky sleeper at third base, assuming his, you know, draft price kind of stays low just because I think people have him pegged as like a 35% strikeout guy. So very interested there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that he is a guy that belongs with the, you know, heavily rostered players we talked about in the beginning of the show that we have interest in next year too. Um, there's been some really, really good months for Berger and that strikeout rate, uh, is super impressive and has definitely got my interest. Okay, let's move to a, a little two-pack here with the Tampa Bay Rays, Steve. Uh, the first one's Harold Ramirez, which he, he was who I had in mind at the start of the show when I was talking about kind of glue pieces for you. He's hitting 400 over the past month. Uh, he doesn't play every day, but he, he'll play like 8 out of 10 and... Yeah, you can't argue with the season line, a 305 average, a 792 OPS, just nine homers. But if you know what you're signing up for, he's been hitting third in the lineup lately. Um, so Harold Ramirez has my attention. And then the other one is Oslavis Basabe, who this, yeah, I mean, obviously in light of kind of the difficult and awful situation potentially, uh, he's kind of been the, the silver lining for the Rays where he debuted and he's looked really good. He's hitting 300, had a grand slam on Tuesday, super fast. Uh, the, the chink in the armor for Basabe is a lot of ground balls. But with that pace, uh, both of these guys are kind of interesting to me in different ways. So what are your thoughts on Ramirez and Basabe here? Yeah, I, I think the fact that the Rays have has me interested. However, Ramirez, I think, has been a great play all year like for average and you know part of a great offense that's starting to heat up again um and just you know is is a solid contributor all around basabe the fact that you know the rays have all these prospects and curtis mead and a bunch of guys that get played short like the fact that he came up and like started right away and became their choice at shortstop should be reason enough uh for you to be interested um, so yeah, I, I think that Basabe is going to play mostly every day. They clearly like his defense, um, and being a part of that lineup and having some pop, like if there's a team that, you know, be, turned Yandy Diaz into, you know, a 15 to 20 homer hitter after he, you know, pounded the girl ball into the ground for his whole life. Um, I, I, I have faith in the Rays getting the most out of Basabe, uh, while he has this role. Um, so definitely should be on uh, rosters here for the stretch run. Yeah, and Basabe, I mean, the one thing is it looks like he's had, you know, some some strikeout issues since he's been up. I'm just curious where he's been at in the minors on a K rate. Like, is he a, 
was he a mid-20s guy? Let's see. Oh, no. I mean, most of the time, kind of up and down, but it looks like recently uh, 15%, 10%, 15%. So, yeah, I think the plate discipline should hopefully level out a little bit. It looks like they had him projected at like a 17% in the majors, but it's been at 25%. So probably just adjusting. So yeah, overall, I really like it for, for both of these. It's just Ramirez is a little bit more of a glue piece and Basabi, I think is going to offer speed and a, a little bit more of an upside there. Uh, we'll keep rolling, Steve. Logan Ohapi, man, we were so bummed at the start of the year when he got injured because he was looking like, you know, rookie of the year type of uh, run that he was on. Um, he homered on Tuesday. He's been up for about a week, some scratches in there. Um, but Logan Ohapi feels like a really good one to wear. If you've got like a Jonah Heim and he hasn't been the same since he's been injured uh, and coming back, like these are the types of moves that you can look at in a week-to-week uh, scale in a way. And, and I think Ohapi is an interesting one. I added him and dropped Henry Davis in my home league, for example, um, so yeah, Ohapi could be warming up and usually hitting in the middle part of that Angels lineup. So should have some RBI opportunities. Uh, thoughts on Ohapi, Steve? Yeah, I, I think that we were interested in him for you know all the right reasons uh, in, in the early season. The bad ball metrics were amazing. Um, sure, there's some swing and miss in his game, but. Um, you know, he's got now five homers and 74 plate appearances since he's been in the big leagues. Uh, and I think that, you know, he is kind of like the wide awake catcher sleeper for dynasty leagues and for next year. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are comfortable with Ohapi as their first catcher um, next year just because he mashes the ball. Um, and you know, it's always tough coming back from an injury like his with the shoulder, I believe it was. Um, but the fact that he's homered already um, is encouraging. And, you know, uh, this guy can barrel up the baseball. So for a guy that has a fit, close to 15% barrel rate uh, in, in that, like, you know, the 50 batted ball sample, he's at 48 this year. Um, we like to see that. Uh, I could see Ohapi being a guy that could have another run like he did in the beginning of the year where he hit four homers and what, like 50 plate appearances or so. Um, yeah. So uh, I would not be surprised if that came uh, in the end of August or September for him. Yep. Yep. Here, Here's to the walk rate returning because all through the minors, yes. that was a really good part of his game. And he's had a 25% strikeout rate and just a 5.6% walk rate. Granted, we're talking about 20 games in the majors uh, at least this year. So yeah, that would be great. Uh, it'd make me feel a little bit better about, you know, some on base percentage points, leagues, things like that for Ohapi. but, uh, we'll keep rolling. Steve, talk to me about some of these Rockies hitters. It's kind of our soft segue into the, the final segment of the show where we're looking at scheduling. They got some home games coming up, uh, rest of the way. I know you called out in the rundown, 20 home games versus 12 road games after the end of this week. What Rockies hitters are, are you interested in um, and why? Um, I would basically be interested in pretty much any of them who start mostly every day because of the schedule. And the guys like that who are going to be available are Ezekiel Tovar, Brendan Rodgers, and maybe Nolan Jones. There's been a lot of swing and miss in Nolan Jones games, uh, especially recently. But 
um, that might lead to him being available. Um, but he's still providing some homer and some steals. But uh, Tovar, the past two weeks, uh, there was a seven-game homestand last week where he has been good, I know, because I streamed him for that and then dropped him when they were on the road all this week. Um, but, hey, if he has 20 home games, that's good. He's been a really good hitter at home and is you know, growing his game to the prospect that we hoped uh, um, after a slow start um, for the Rockies in, in April and May. Um, Brendan Rodgers is another name who should be really available. Um, and it's been kind of slow since uh, slow overall since um, coming back from injury. Um, really but since over the, the last, beginning of time yeah, for Rodgers, yeah, it's been yeah, slow. <laughs> he, yeah, it, it has. But he's got seven RBIs over the past week. I think his OPS is close to like 850 over the last seven games too. Um, but, hey, it's a cheap way to get exposure to cores, and Brandon Rogers is like the definition of a post-hype prospect. So um, yep. there you go for some sneak peek into our next segment, the, the schedule targets with, with your Rockies hitters because well, they have 20 home have. games after this week. Yeah, yeah, and they're not one of the five teams that we're going to break down for the best schedules and, and who you might be able to – look at to help your team but we'll get into all five after this ad break we'll be right back okay so steve uh save the best for first here the white Sox have just an insane schedule lined up uh to rattle them off super quick oakland at baltimore detroit at kansas city at detroit kansas city minnesota at washington at Boston, at Arizona, but that's very end of September for those last two. So, wow, it's pretty much like seven out of eight are what you would call like nice matchups. Uh, so what White Sox hitters uh, are, are you interested in? Anyone kind of jumping out that might be widely available? Uh, the first name that came to mind was Oscar Colas, um, like a pretty big prospect that we were excited about when he broke camp, got off to a slow start. <laughs> we missed down. on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's been pretty good recently. He was three for four tonight on Wednesday, um, has a six game hitting streak, um, has three homers and four steals in his, uh, 200 at bats. Um, that's including, you know, a really, really tough stretch to start the season after he made, uh, the, the roster at, at a, at a spring training. So, um, Colossus should be available. He's owned in just a roster in just fifty one percent of fan tracks leagues, so definitely should be out there. Um and a seven sixty five OPS over over his last last week, so maybe starting to heat up. Yeah, the pop should be there. He always hit more in the minors, so yeah, that's uh that's a good name there. Uh I'll throw Elvis Anders into the, the hat yep. as well. Mm-hmm. I was, Great call. I was happy of uh jumping on, on the wire with Adam called out Andrews and was really hoping I didn't uh, swing and miss on that one. But he took advantage of the Anderson uh, situation. And, I mean, now he's still, you know, most games hitting near the top of the order. Uh, He had a steal tonight. And even at age 34, he's got 10 steals so far this season. And in the past month, hitting 324 with an 840 OPS. So Andrews just 18% rostered in Yahoo. So another good one there. If he's available, is kind of a glue piece to uh just kind of tony kemp it for your roster down the home stretch here uh detroit is our second team that has really favorable matchups you got to skip this houston one but after that we got the yankees at the white Sox at the yankees the white Sox again home against cincinnati 
Then there's a couple that are a little bit troubling with the Angels and the Dodgers, but then they end the season at Oakland and home against the Royals. Anybody, Steve, for Detroit that we're looking to target other than the obvious Torkelson and Carpenter we talked about earlier? you got to skip his first start because it's versus Houston, but Alex Vado has been pretty good over the last um, three starts for him, which has been 15.2 innings pitched, an 8.62 strikeout per nine, and just a 2.87 ERA. Um, so he's been good. Those starts have come against uh, Chicago, the Cubs, Minnesota, and Minnesota. Minnesota does strike out a lot. I think they're the most in, in the league, so take that with a grain of salt. But, I mean, he's been generally pretty good other than, you know, um, the, his first start back from injury on July 7th when he gave up seven runs. He hasn't given up more than three earned runs in any of his uh, four starts since then. So um, it's pretty filthy it's, slider. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. one of those where there like, was some the prospect. Hype. There was yeah. some prospect type with him. Right. And yeah, the fastball, the slider's nasty. So um, definitely a guy worth streaming, especially like versus the White Sox um, versus uh, at, at, Oak, at Oakland or even at the Yankees, um, you know, when judges and hitting three homers a night like he did tonight. But um <laughs> Hey, uh, I, I'd still target that team, um, and Detroit's got a pretty good schedule. Yep. Yeah, and they play the Astros first. Like you mentioned, the Astros are, are the third team who have a really nice-looking lineup uh, in terms of opponents at Detroit, at Boston, home against New York. Then you got at the Rangers and the Padres, so a couple tough ones. Then it goes Oakland at Kansas City, Baltimore and Kansas City again. And – Steve, J.P. France is suddenly, like, the reliable source of pitching in Houston, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I think I saw something that he would have, like, the, the first or second lowest ERA in the AL if he qualified. He's at 108 innings, uh, just 80 strikeouts on the season, but a 2.75 ERA, a 121 whip. We've talked about France all season. I think, to your credit, I was kind of – questioning like is this just a toby in a way or is there anything here probably because of the strikeouts but he just continues to get it done and recently he had seven strikeouts in six innings against the mariners another team that can strike out but hey you'll take it um 80 grade mustache what do we think of jp france he is a quality start machine in quality starts leagues he has been a godsend he has 12 quality starts in 17 total starts so um, you know, I've been very thankful that I have him in a, in a, in a quality start league. Um, and you know, yeah, the, the strikeouts aren't amazing, but everything else about his surface number, you know, his surface numbers are really good. Um, and you know, uh, with, with Houston, there's always room for, um, strikeout improvement and like pitcher development. Um, so it's a great place to be as a pitcher, and the results have been great, and they should be, you know, uh, carried out even more. It's, it might be a guy that's on on wires because he doesn't strike out guys, and, and may have some tough matchups that he's just streamed for. So um, I, I really like JP France uh, for the rest of the season, and probably for for next year too. Uh, like a twenty eight year old guy, I think just debuted this year. Um, it's really good the spin Astros. on the fastball. Yeah, the Astros, yeah. like, the Velo's not horrible. Um, 
it's interesting you say that. Though. I mean, I think the Astros for me is kind of like the, uh, you know, you, you throw your arms up and you're. It's kind of like Cleveland. You you just never know what they're going to develop. But what I, the point I was going to make is, I almost trust guys like this more in this season than I do going into next year. Yes. In a way. Yes. Like, you know, there's always the Ranger Suarez or like the Tyler Anderson or somebody that it's just like it's working for them. And you can kind of guess that the results will. I mean, it's always a gamble, but just kind of hope that the results continue to to stay solid. Now, if we find out that he's, you know, been working on secondary pitches or anything like that in the offseason, I'll be more interested. But I think there's something about rhythm and just being in a groove in the middle of the season where it's more trustworthy now. So soft analysis, but I I feel like there's enough examples where that that tends to happen. Yeah, know. definitely. I mean, the, the strikeout minus walk rate isn't great. Um, the swing strike rate isn't great. Everything, like, long-term is, like, not telling you this is, like, a, a breakout strikeout guy waiting to happen, but... You know, there's enough sample in season, like you said, to just sort of roll with it. And I think yeah. for at least that, um, uh, I'm in. Uh, and yeah, if he wasn't on Houston, it would be sort of like a more of like a Ranger Suarez type uh, interest for me. Um, but hey, Ranger Suarez has provided some value more than just that one run in what the end of 2021, too. So uh, easy to overlook these guys. Uh, yeah, definitely. And you forget that they can they can take steps forward, too. Yeah. So that's France, uh, 69% rostered there. And uh, nice segue to Kenta Maeda, who's 63% rostered. Uh, the Twins in general, it starts a, a, a little bit tougher um, for for Maeda, but they, they got uh, Texas, Cleveland, at Texas, at Cleveland, home against the Mets, then home against the Rays. Really, this is more for me like a a mid-late September target because they end the season at the White Sox, at Cincinnati, home against the Angels, home against Oakland, and then at Coors. Uh, So, yeah, some stuff there for Maeda. I know, Steve, we've kind of been in and out of interest with him. And then the other one you wanted to to highlight was Royce Royce Lewis, who we've always loved. Um, but talk to me about these two and, and kind of implications rest of the way. Yeah, Maeda's been pretty good since he came back from uh, injury, like the second time, so like his second stint since he's been back. Basically, um, since around the, the All-Star break, um, he's pitched six innings in a bunch of games, had you know a nine-strikeout game, eight-strikeout game, two seven-strikeout games. And even though he's given up three earned runs and hasn't gone six in the last uh, two starts, uh, he's still gotten six Ks and just walked uh, in each and just walked three batters. So, um, yeah, there's there's been some home runs and there's always home runs in his game. But the stuff looks as good as it did, you know, when we were interested in him coming back from Tommy John had, you know, a few really good strikeout games, at least in the beginning of the season when he was on a bit of a pitch count and going only five innings. But it looks to be like he's past that arm fatigue and, you know, past the injuries that uh, I, I really like him for the, for the end of the season. And then for next year, even more because like, you know, the, the old cliche that you want to 
buy a pitcher like the year after Tommy John um, that he yeah. that he comes back. Like not the first year that he, that he's pitching games, but then the second year. So um, I think it's a sneaky play for next year if people are sort of out and don't realize how good he's been over the last uh, over the month of July and August. So. Um, Great target if he's available um, with some good matchups. Royce Lewis, like, all he has to do is stay healthy. Like, he hit his first home run since he came back um, today. Um, adding the steal, um, the the surface numbers are okay and might lead you to believe that he could still be out there because he's hitting just 273 with the 724 OPS since coming back. But he mashes the ball. Like, all of the quality contract metrics have always been good. It just matters staying healthy. And knock on wood for Royce Lewis, uh, hopefully this is it. And, uh, with that schedule capped off with like a trip to Coors at the end, like I could see Royce Lewis, uh, you know, uh, being a guy that would carry a lot of teams here in September. Yeah, love love his game. I'm really hoping we, we see healthy Royce Lewis for the, for a full season next year. Um, yeah, he's, he's fun to watch, and it has looked good since he's been back, so... Really uh, cheering for that one too, Steve. He's rostered in the thirty percent area for for Yahoo, um, and and brings us to our final one, which is Seth Lugo, rostered in forty two percent of Yahoo leagues. And Lugo is coming off of a really good start today, as we record this uh, against the Marlins. Six innings, a win, four strikeouts, unearned or zero earned runs, and a point six seven WHIP. Uh, yeah, that makes two shutouts in his last couple outings Steve and obviously uh it's been kind of frustrating for the Padres all season but when you look at Lugo overall sub four ERA on the season about a strikeout per inning um he to me I think he's just north of that like waiver wire fodder streamer category like I think this is a solid back end of the rotation arm um and in terms of their schedules uh it's a little bit rough kind of in the next few weeks. They got a road stint against the Astros, against the Dodgers, but then they got at Oakland, home against Colorado, uh, home against the Cardinals, and then at the Giants, at the White Sox. So uh, kind of a nice runway there for Lugo to, to pull that ERA down a little bit more and, and try to get up around, you know, 130 innings, which is what you're hoping for with Lugo. But talk to me about the, the potential here. You think for a guy that had so much stuff kind of as a long reliever, uh, do you think there's some upside here for Lugo? I think so. And I think it's kind of looks like what the overall line looks like for Lugo, which is, which is pretty good. Like a strikeout per nine, like mid three, high threes ERA. You know, uh, I think that's like a team streamer, more of a a Holly than a Toby. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what Nick Pollock calls them. So, um, my question is how are the, the Padres getting this out of Seth Lugo, like, you know, really solid hundred innings or so. And then a sub three ERA with a one Oh seven whip from Michael Waka in 96 innings. And how are they still not good? It just does not make any sense. It's all been off. I mean, even Snell, dude, we haven't talked about a lot of these uh, guys. We spent the whole off season. Cause we're usually going for like, you know, ads and yeah, actionable, actionable stuff. stuff. But but yeah, Snell with a, a sub three ERA on the season. Um, yeah, it's. Just, I mean, I know we we have a board bet out there somewhere, Steve, on the Juan Soto, and I, I thought I looked like a fool at first, but Soto still just 
hitting 259, 24 homers. I mean, I know with the the amount of walks, like his OBP and OPS looks great, but I think they're just hoping hoping for more out of a lot of guys. Like, you know, Machado, it's been up and down, uh, just 249 on the season. So, Even Tatis, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit disappointing yeah, for, exactly. for his first year back, yeah. Yeah. So It, it mean, hasn't far... been the back end of the pitching. It hasn't been the pitching really overall. Darvish has been... Pretty good. I know Musgrove was hurt, right? But um, has it been right. the starters at least? Yeah. So for the um, Padres, just looking. So they're five and a half games out of the wild yeah. card. So it's yeah. like not unfathomable, but they really need to go on a run. Um, yeah. It'll it'll be it'll be interesting to watch this this showdown. There, there's some good wild card races, uh, and, and yeah, end of year we'll have to do like some sort of a. A true MLB team one, you know, like the yeah, yeah. playoff things to watch for fantasy purposes or something yeah, like that. So for sure, sounds good uh, to me. Love it, dude. Well, how's the matchup before we wrap here? How's the matchup looking this week for you? Um, so far so good. I'm not a uh, not about to touch the money or anything like that. But um, a lot of guys we talked about, uh, which have led to you know uh, my turnaround: Kerry uh, Carpenter, Ozuna, Chas McCormick. Um, Isak Paredes have been good so um, you know even guys like Trey Turner have been much better uh, in the last month uh, or in two weeks or so too so um, hanging on there and you know uh, I may have to buy a Cole Reagan jersey if he keeps this up so hopefully he does yep love it it is uh, the wide awake sleeper for sure so Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, as always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Winds Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Please go out and give us a little rating and review, guys. Always appreciated this time of year. If you're listening this late, uh, we'd consider you uh, a diehard fan. So uh, would love if you could throw us a rating. They go a long way for us. So. Thank you for for tuning in. We'll be back next Thursday and every Thursday the rest of the season. But that wraps us up for episode 114. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Good luck uh, in the playoffs and in the home stretch. Yeah, good luck, everybody.